Hey guys, what's going on? This is Dallas here with the bottom shelf, and uh, this is this is future editor Dallas that's uh, recording at twelve twenty in the morning, uh, Tuesday morning when this episode drops. <laughs> I want to do a quick apology, real quick, for today's episode. Um, my software that I normally use, which is an old version of Adobe CS6, um, it it crashed. It wouldn't open for me, and so what should take me not too long uh, took me many hours because I had to I had to learn how to use a whole new software called Reaper and uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm a bit delusional at the moment and uh, I want to apologize if today's episode is not to the uh, quality and standard I know that we're always kind of adjusting and growing and changing but uh, today may be a little rougher than normal so <laughs> I just want to apologize to you guys on the front end but I hope you enjoyed today's episode uh, as we uh, we dig into uh, an interesting movie so uh, let's get into the actual episode love you guys all right let's see here taco machine instructions stay away from the spicy guac because that's death fruit John, come here, man. What? Apparently, there's a cheat code for the taco machine. How do you have a cheat code on a taco machine, bro? I don't know. It says here. Here. Here's the instructions. I didn't even know this thing had a controller like that on it. All right. It's underneath the the the, the salsa. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's up up down down left right left right. A B start. Wait, what in the world? No, dude, this is cool. No, no, dude, it's a, no. it's a video game. The, it's it's a crappy video game. What are we talking about? This is the crawl video game. The arcade, it- the crawl arcade game. Have you tried to play this game? The controls are no. impossible. I mean, I hate it. That. It's got to be better than the first Mortal Kombat. I, Hacks, blow it out the airlock. Good, no. Hey guys, what's happening? Uh, oh, thanks for fixing that taco machine. It's really good. Yeah, it's just got launched into space again. What? what why? What? John, why did we launch it into space? Because it has the Kroll video game on it. Uh, okay. Um. Hmm. Well, you know, I just grabbed a movie from the dumpster, and that movie is Crow. <sighs> I think we. I want to watch it. You think we should watch it? Well, might as well wait for John to order another taco machine. This time with extra avocado. Uh, well, here's my last taco. Thanks a lot. Are you ready to discover a world of terrible movies? High above the planet Geekery, three brave individuals. With the help of other friends, work through a list of terrible movies to discover one simple truth. Are they better than people think? Or do they really belong on the bottom shelf? Grab your popcorn. Grab your favorite snack. And get ready to find out. Hello and welcome to The Bottom Shelf, the show where you we watch critically terrible films so you don't have to. Bottom Shelf is the extension of Geek Devotions, the show from Devoted Geeks who are devoted to letting you know your love. So if you don't listen past this moment, know this, we love you, we care about you. There is a plan and purpose for your life. 
And uh, we, like I said, we genuinely care about you and we take interest in you. Unlike Google, Google doesn't really interest in us at all for some reason. That being said, let me introduce our, our, our crew, our staff here aboard this spaceship of terrible movies. First off, we got John. John, how you doing, buddy? Holy cow, Dallas. You ran through that intro like you're trying to sell micro machines. <laughs> uh, it happens. <laughs> and then we have Kevin. Kevin, how are you, bud? I was doing better when we had a taco machine. Uh, you know, me too. Hopefully, the next one won't have as much guacamole. It's going to have more. Uh, it's trying to kill me, ladies and gentlemen. Trying to kill me. And mandatory <sighs> banana splits. Well, if he doesn't, Jeffrey Elton will. Uh, so anyways, so uh, today, we're uh, since uh, our last taco machine had a really interesting video game that apparently John doesn't want anybody to play again. Uh, it's a terrible so game, dude. <laughs> well, I don't know that now. I, you should be thanking me. I, 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 I thank you, John. Thank you so much, sir. I'm pretty certain that that game causes cancer. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> Ghostbusters on NES. Oof! I that thought was it was ET. On that's on the Atari. The Ghostbusters uh, was pretty terrible on the NES. <laughs> but, but this is not a video game podcast, so let's move no, along. This is yes, this is a movie podcast. Um, so, uh, Kevin. What have you pulled out of the dumpster for us to watch today? I just showed it to you. Curl or curl or <laughs> Cole. Something like that. It's a stupid name. No, Cole was a Kevin Sorbo movie. <laughs> Cole the Conqueror. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's just hard to say it with its R. Cruel. Okay. Yeah. It's only because you're Irish. No. <laughs> <laughs> So he, he's trying, <laughs> he keeps he keeps trying to he keeps trying to roll the R. That's the problem. Crawl. That's what it is. <laughs> Crawl the conqueror. <laughs> All right. So Kevin, what is this film that we're we're watching? Give us some information about it. Um, first, the, the, it is rated PG, and it's rated PG for um. It says hell. I think maybe twice. It has an anatomical term, and there's no sexual nudity, which is, you know, different for a PG movie in the 80s. And there's only, like, some swashbucking action, sci-fi, whatever violence you want to call it. No blood and gore. So, yeah, it's as PG as it come. Wow. Yeah. Sweet. For the 80s, first, that's quite unusual. First really time is. I saw this movie, yeah. I was, a little, I was a little kid. I had a babysitter bring it over, so... See, I think the first time I watched it, I was, I was a small child and I was at home sick. So, and every time since then I've watched it, I was sick. So this is going to be fun. Must have a curse upon us or something. <laughs> that first time I saw this was when I rented the movie at Hollywood Video and brought it. And we watched it and we thought how great it was during that time. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Crow is a Wonder. 1983 action-packed sci-fi swashbucking <laughs> mountain climbing cyclops glazy more mountain climbing adventurous film that the whole family can enjoy. How else are you going to plan on spending two hours? Star Wars, pff, pathetic. Robin Hood, weak. <laughs> Dragon Slayer, well, that film bombed, but it did have dragons. <laughs> um, let's see right here. This film is directed by Peter Yates. If you know who Peter Yates is, if you don't, he directed films such as Bullet in 1968 with Steve McQueen. The Friends of Eddie Cole. Uh, that's actually a fantastic gangster film. 1973 and 1977 called The Deep. 
I think I've seen, seen the deep. It. Have you, Dallas? I have never seen the deep. I think I've seen. I don't know. It. It I think of several movies called the deep. Yeah, it's a Peter Benchley movie. So, um, let's see. This film stars the Errol Flynn lookalike Ken Marshall. <laughs> also from he's also from the um, Star Trek Deep Space Nine series as yeah. Michael Eddington. If you watch that, I don't know. I don't watch Star Trek, so I can't tell you. Has discount Obi Wan played by Freddie Jones, who played in Dune? <laughs> discount Obi Wan. Wait a minute. <laughs> Is he the old man from the mountain? Yes. Okay. Freddie Jones. <laughs> he said discount Obi Wan. Has um, Lisette, Lisette Anthony, who played in Dracula Dead and Loving It. Has Francesca Annis, who is also from Dune. Owen Armstrong from Black Beauty and Braveheart. Bernard Bressel from the Doctor Who television series. Um, there was a segment called Ice Warriors. Yes. Okay. This is that man. He also played in a lot of carry-on films, which those films completely suck. I, I hate the sets of series. And everyone's favorite, Liam Neeson. It also stars the Glaive Weapon, which was also featured on Steven Spielberg's Ready Player One movie. I really think that that this movie is the reason why we see the glaive in so many other movies afterwards, like Predator and like uh, yes, hundreds of other video I forgot games. about the Predator having that. So, okay, yeah. Right? Yeah. I really think this was the inspiration behind it. That or going to your local flea market and find them for sale for dirt cheap. <laughs> this film is edited by Frank Lovejoy, who also worked on films such as 2001 Space Odyssey and The Shining before this film and after this film he edited films such as sheena aliens and batman 1989 the music is done by james horner which i'm just like (laughs) that really you know makes me excited because he's one of my favorite music composers of all time what has he done i feel like i know his name james horner uh yeah crap I did wrote that down, and I, right there I had a, I had a whole list, and for some reason my list went away, and I'm like, "Why you got to be like that, Dallas?" <laughs> no, I mean he's right because if he's one of my favorite composers, I mean he did the uh, music for um, Braveheart. And, oh yeah, that, he did do that. Yeah, that's that's the one I remember. I know he did the one for Titanic, which I didn't care about, but you heard that theme so much. He did music for Avatar, not not the last Airbender one. You know the blue monkey people, whatever you call them. There, there is no Avatar movie. I was about to the, say James, ev- the, the James Cameron film Avatar. That there movie no was ones. trash too. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Um, okay, whatever. It's okay. It was, it's not it, trash. You you take away you take away the three D IMAX experience, and you got you're left with a pretty meh movie. You have live-action Fern Gully. That's what you have. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong, sir. Except without Robin Williams, so it's meh. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about Kroll. You're the one who never saw Fern Gully. (laughs) Yes, Fern Gully. I never saw Fern Gully. Did you not eat at Pizza Hut back in the nineties? Yeah, when I read my twelve books and got my card stamped. Oh, uh, I miss the '90s. He also really. um, did the music for Apollo 13, which that was one, that's still one of my favorite movies. Really? Yes. So this guy did some big stuff. Yes. Now for okay. the box office, the budget was forty-seven million dollars. For Kroll? Opening... Yeah. The budget was forty-seven million. Yes, that's a big budget. They just kept In going the higher and higher. 
yes, they kept going higher and higher as they kept making the film. And they filmed a big portion of this at the James Bond um, studio lot. Okay. There's so things I want to say, but we haven't, quote, watched it yet. So <laughs> I haven't watched I'm just reading all these little facts that's on here. Um, so the opening weekend in the United States is five and a half million dollars. July. That's not that's not good. July thirty first, nineteen eighty three, and the gross for the entire states is sixteen million. It got. Oh no! We need a sound effect for when a movie bombs terribly. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the sound effect of John keep throwing away those taco machines outside. <laughs> Yeet. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I have for this film. Um, are there I, any warning labels on this thing? Who has warning labels? I don't have warning labels. <laughs> you got to stop putting Kevin on the spot, dude. Yeah, yeah, right there. There's there's some warning labels on it on the on the side of it. John, what do you what? can you read? Make them out. They're kind of hard yeah. for me to read. Yeah, yeah, I got my glasses on. Uh, speaking of which, where are your glasses? You look like all kinds of man sexy when you had your glasses going <laughs> for a while there. They're not real glasses. They're just blue light glasses. I'm just saying. Just saying. <laughs> I want my hetero house husband to look good. <laughs> Uh, warning, you will remember this movie being better than it actually is. <laughs> true. Uh, contains sharp objects. Also true. Uh, warning, nostalgia has limits. <laughs> and just a big stamp on the front that says, warning, it's the 80s. That that says quite a bit, actually, that one. <laughs> it's the 80s. <laughs> so... Well then, well, what's everybody's expectations for the film? I don't really have any expectations. I mean, I, I'm thinking it's still good because last time I saw this was when I was uh, 19, when I last time rented it. Not to not to date you too much, uh, but like, how many years ago was that? Many years ago. <laughs> it's not, it's, not it's 19 years ago so i'm fine with that i just like how your face went real red yeah, this, <laughs> <when you> this <laughs> like... <laughs> like when you went many years ago like it just like turned bright bright red over there uh, that was when the taco machine flew past the uh window <laughs> over there oh yeah. is that what it was yeah yeah um oh, uh Sure, Dallas, I'll tell you what my expectations are, even though you didn't lead into me at all, or anybody, really. Uh, uh, Who cares? Dang. I care. I care, John. (laughs) I mean, you know, whatever. Cool. Go ahead. He's just better that you launched the taco machine out before he could put some salsa on his taco. That's all it was. John, what are your expectations of this lovely film? I don't need your pity <laughs> invite, but I'm going to do it in spite of you. Um, <laughs> um, I, you know, it, if we would have done this episode a couple of years ago, it would have been pretty high. But uh, the uh, Strangers and Aliens crew, they uh, they did an episode on this where they watched it and you know Evan didn't have Evan had never seen it before he didn't have good things to say about it and then I was getting <laughs> mad at Evan about it 
And then Ben came back and goes, wow, I remember this being a lot better than what it was. And so I'm like, y'all are nuts. So I sat down and I watched it and I'm like, oh no. So I'm, 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 wa- I'm walking into this expecting to be let down because I don't <laughs> to have be let down. Yeah. So, right. So like you guys, I remember it fondly as a small child. But also remember thinking, all right, <clears throat> there are certain movies out there. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. I'm sick. <laughs> um, it's cool. We'll, walk, we'll clean the oysters off your microphone later. <laughs> I appreciate it. There are certain movies out there that I talk to people about. And I'm like, all right, so this is a movie I saw as a child. And people look at me like, that's not a real movie. What are you talking about? Uh, one of them is like The Giver, not Mick Giver, The Giver. Yeah, I yeah. try to describe it. People. People act like I'm on crack when I try to explain this movie to them. They're like, what is that? That's not. I know that I was, movie. And so I was, huh? I know that movie. My man. My secret in life. So, I pretend everyone's on crack. <laughs> so I try to explain to. This is one of those movies where I try to explain to people. Like, yeah, you know, the movie has like the, 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 the throwing star. And he's like moving it with his mind and stuff like that. People are like, what are you talking about? It's like, there's a Cyclops. They're like, is this X-Men? It's like, no. And so I. For a while, legitimately thought, did I dream this movie? And then I found it at at our local grocery store for like $7. And I bought it just to prove to myself and to others this is a real movie. And I I know it's not a good movie. I don't think it's Jetson out the airlock worthy, but it's definitely not a top shelf film. But I'm I'm going in with the I feel like I've been I I'm justified. This is a movie. <laughs> I did not make this up. <laughs> when movies sell at grocery stores, does that make them usually give you a sign of it's is that better or worse? Well, no. Well, it's a common thing now. Like uh, my like my several grocery stores, they sell like like Venom Two is is for sale. Uh, they had uh, the the latest Avengers movies was out there, so hmm. it's a common thing. Yeah, it's that's kind of how it $7? is here. Seven dollars. It could just be old. Hey, I got um, the Prince of Egypt for seven dollars on Blu-ray, so and that's a different <laughs> story. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, we've described it. Before we go into the theater, though, let me read the description for people who are you're still not confused. Like you hear us talking about this, and you hear our expectations, but let me describe the movie to you guys real quick. In the face of total annihilation by the. Uh, Omnipotent beasts, unstoppable hordes of slayers, the young aristocrats of two hostile neighboring nations, the brave Prince Colin and the fair Princess Lissa are about to come into union and form an alliance against the common enemy. However, the otherworldly adversaries is all powerful, and before long, a fate abducted abduction <laughs> a faithful abduction will trigger a desperate quest to the evil entity's grim black fortress as Cowlin and the handful of mismatched defenders are willing to uh dice with death to ensure the land's future in the suicide mission the magical five-edged weapon known as the glaive is the only chance of survival can princess Cowlin slave the beast can prince Cowlin slay the beast i'm sorry Save Lissa and Kroll, the small planet in the middle of the vast galaxy. Okay, how about we just pop the sucker in and watch it? 
<laughs> All right. Let's go into theater. Uh, did anybody think to make popcorn before I jettisoned the po- taco machine? Because that's where I'd been getting my popcorn. From. Dear listeners, this is your opportunity to escape. Our crew has just entered into the media projection chamber. What horrors and madness that they consume are unknown. Their mental state upon their return is unknown. You have been warned. Well, that was a thing. I, you, you literally just said the exact words I was about to say. That was <laughs> a thing. <laughs> Kevin, are you okay, buddy? Hmm? What? Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay. Why? You seem really, really intense over there, man. No, no. I'm oh, just waking up again. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. So we just got out of the theater, and and we watched Kroll, at least most of it. Mm. I'm not sure how much Kevin made through. What are our spoiler-free thoughts on the film? And watching Kevin boil into an indifferent rage right now. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Kroll felt more like cruel, cruel to my insanity and way of living, or maybe crawl, uh. like the movie. Yeah. The movie slowed to a crawl. Yeah, I crawled myself right back to sleep again. Oh again. my gosh! And again, what are some spoiler-free things that we liked, Kevin? Hmm. Spoiler-free things you liked? So, why am I the first person you keep shooting out? There's John because, right next to me, or because next it's to you. fun to throw you off. <laughs> Because you're the angry Irishman and nobody cares what I think. <laughs> well, I guess you got some truth right there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because when uh, I work with teenagers, I call on the ones who are qua- who are sleepy to wake them up. I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> the, way, the, way, the way you said that, I'm a man. <laughs> <laughs> um... This film actually has some great landscapes. It does. Yeah. It has some great this landscapes. Was in, this it, was shot in Europe, wasn't it? Yeah, somewhere out there in Europe, London. Because, like, the, the 007 soundstage is out in England. Yes, that's correct. I think. So, yeah, it had to be filmed somewhere all around there. Um, He's a good mountain climber. I mean, good <laughs> lord. I've never seen someone climb mountains for 10 minutes or longer in a film. <laughs> uh, I mean, I played Breath of the Wild before, and that was a mountain climb. Hmm. It had some pretty good uh, costumes, which was surprising for me. Some they like, were interesting co- costumes. Like I was, I was legitimately surprised by um, the like when you go into it, like it's a, it's a space thing, but it's a medieval thing. But like they were nice costumes. It didn't feel cheap. It didn't feel like a Roger Corman film, so that's a plus. No, here, well, here's the thing, though. Nothing in this movie, based off the time frame that it was made in, nothing really appeared cheap in this movie. Right? Taking it off consider- of $47 million. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is true. <laughs> yeah, you could definitely tell that that budget was used to make things look nice. Um, the monsters were an interesting choice. Especially monsters. When, yeah, the monsters like one of those things they popped out when they shot those things dead and like a monster or some sort of like 
like a squatter thing. Yeah, something that shot out right through their helmets and everything else. I was like, that was oh, yeah, genu- yeah. that was genuinely like, creepy. I mean, it was cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, there's there's just like your elements of this film I like, and there are loads of elements I just I I didn't like. <laughs> I couldn't tell. So- Kevin, uh, Kevin, John, what are some things that you enjoyed that are spoiler-free? Um, the built sound stages that they made for this movie were fantastic, I thought. Yes. Um, you know, I, I kept looking at them on some of the sound stages that they had built for this movie, and I'm just like, I miss this. I wish they would build sound stages like this for modern movies. Right. Um, and Ken What's-His-Face, the 1980s Errol Flynn as... Uh, Kevin put it, uh, you know, Marshall. Yeah. He was delightful for me. I, I enjoyed him very much. Um, he had an effect infectious smile. Yeah. You know, I, I, he's, he's sort of like a, uh, bearded Patrick Swayze. Yeah. (laughs) I hate to like, out of all the actors, I think he's the only one whose career just really fell flat afterwards. I think he just mostly um, just stuck with television after this. Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's what I was reading. Like, he, I guess, film wasn't his thing, but even for television, he still didn't did that much. Yeah, it, I mean, this this film I think, um, didn't do so well for many film careers of people that were just starting off. Well, except for one person in particular. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, there's actually a few more than just one. Because um, you got to look at musician James Horner. I mean, the music on this was quite delightful. And I'm yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that's gonna get me in trouble with a few people, but I don't care. I think Mr. Ken should have played Wesley in Princess Bride. Said it. Not taking it back. Wow. Really? If you think about it, it just makes sense. Oh, it's like I need to look down at the at the windows of the spaceship. Make sure there's no cruisers come out to blow us out of the sky anymore <laughs> wow you made that statement i said it <laughs> I, I think he could play a decent one i mean yeah what was that but that first beginning when he actually truly introduced him he overacted that part a bit too much yeah. his character completely reminded me of wesley from the princess bride the entire time i was watching the movie which you know you know still they're both based on errol flynn's character so yeah i can see it that. felt like a it felt like a princess bride I, I was describing the movie to somebody at one point and i said it's kind of like star wars meets the princess bride only not as fun <laughs> <laughs> um so <laughs> but i mean seriously though if you think about the uh if you think about the three male leads, I think that he could have played two of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think he could have also done Inigo Montoya really well. I could see that. I really could. That's not a bad take. I'm, I'm with you on that one. I like that. Back to the sound stages. Um, the ones that were specifically for the, the beast's lair and stuff like that. I found them fascinating because they really reminded me. I feel like whoever designed them was really influenced by Salvador Dali. And um, because are you guys familiar with the art of Salvador Dali? Yes. His art's like that real trippy, like lines everywhere and kind of flowing stuff, especially that op- one of the scenes with the princess in the uh, uh, when she's first in there with them. Like it, it looked like it came right out of a Salvador Dali uh, painting. 
And I was I was impressed. Uh, like you, I was impressed with this the stage design across the board. Like the the swamp, there was a swamp area, the the villains areas, like everything was really, really well done. Yeah, that sound that sound stage that you're talking about, um, that that you're saying the the beasts, uh, the black castle or whatever it was mm-hmm. called. Uh, it, it when they were inside it, it more reminded me like when you see someone put a camera down inside like a uh, snail shell. Yeah. And that's totally the, the whole entire that. the whole entire time I'm like they're inside a crustacean. This is awesome. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. Well, what are some spoiler free things that we disliked about the film? I can tell you one of mine is that is that I, I don't know if it was for you guys, but the dubbing was off in certain areas, mm-hmm. and I know for a fact that they dubbed over um, the princess's voice, and I could tell, and it was driving me nuts. I thought something was wrong with my DVD until I found out that they had dubbed her over. No, they should have just left the original audio in. In it couldn't have been any worse than her act- than the acting <coughs> that they put on there. Her, I mean, the, the she the lines that they put out for her were just not good. Um, yeah, and quite frankly, it, you know, it just the one thing that hit me about this movie. Is it could have it could have dealt with a bit more editing of the non dialogue yes. scenes. Say it again for the people in the back of the room. Yes, they, that it, it it felt like it was drawn out for the sake of drawing it out. They wanted to hit the two hour marker. It's like they said, "Okay, we've got this big budget, so we need a big time right. for this movie." And and it's just like we didn't need. 10 minutes of him climbing a mountain in the beginning. You know, we didn't need 10 minutes of them writing the fire mares. Right. Or yeah. catching the fire mares. Right. You know, just th- that constant thing. And like, I know they were trying to build tension when homeboy was, cr- and I know I'm h- kind of touching on spoilers here, mm-hmm. but I know they were trying to build tension when they were, when that guy was on that spider web. But right after a while, it's just like, Get on with it's just it. Enough. Yes, that was one of my biggest complaints. Was there? They, they needed to cut the fat. Like they just needed to cut so much more out of it. I I personally think that uh, Kevin would be a happier Irishman if they would have trimmed some of that. <laughs> you know, if they would if it would have came in at a at an at a tight one thirty instead of two hours, it, it I oh, think yeah. it would have benefited. And the sad thing is I can really see 30 minutes being chopped out of the film. Like in it, not 30 minutes of storytelling, just 30 minutes of, of really essentially B roll. Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. Kevin, how about you, man? What are some spoiler free things that you disliked? I think he's talking to someone right now. I think he's breathing into a paper bag. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I guess my button switched off. Huh? <clears throat> so much exposition that was i didn't care i don't need to know the cyclops black backstory i don't care i don't need you know the, the beginning when there's a narration about a man and a woman's going to get married and their child will rule the universe i never got to see the child Thank you. Well, pause, pause pause right there while you're steaming What's the matter now that just for a second? 
There is exposition at the beginning. We never plays off at all. That was one of the complaints. We finished the movie. I'm like, wait a minute. And then they repeat the freaking line. Like, were you setting up for a sequel or what's happening here? Yeah. Why is there no payoff for the first two minutes of the movie at all throughout the entire film? I have never seen Dallas rant before. Stop. Because I'm trying to remain calm and he's like channeling my inner anger. Okay. Continue. It was just so ridiculous. Ridiculous in the timing. I'm right there watching. I'm like, I don't care about seeing the side of him crying on a mountain. I also care about this part of him crying on a mountain. All I gotta see is like the very beginning and the end because I know what happens in the middle. I don't need to see him playing Frogger with the rocks coming down on him. I know what's happening. Okay, I don't even need to see the rocks falling on him. I don't Somebody- need to see all these little things that meant nothing. Somebody should uh, re-edit that with modern editing software and edit in a <laughs> CGI Yoda on his back during that scene. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the rock thing did play it out because you were just playing that arcade of Curl and it had the, the rock leaping scene, right? <laughs> Don't make me jettison you out the airlock. <laughs> Ooh, I can escape from this madness of watching these crappy films. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. All right. So much stupid, inane, unnecessary scenes that were just so much fillers. Like, you know, if this was played on television, those are the spots that you use for commercials. I I think they would just cut most of it out. Yeah. Cut off a good 30 to 40 minutes. And I think this would help this a lot. But sure. uh, One of the things I think that helped it was them consistently nonstop rewriting the very time when they were filming and they kept redoing the designs of the interior and they're like what are we going to do now what's going na- what's going to happen now i mean the director i didn't know that midway through the film he took a three week vacation to bahamas because he's like hey you guys do what you want to do i'm done and he went to vacation and they had to stop production they had to stop special effects and everything else until it came back and was like oh we're still filming this huh well, I, I I remember seeing something about that in the special features on my on my DVD, and it really was a matter. He had to take a break because of the stress of the of the film schedule they had. Like the soundstage took four months to work on to to do filming there straight four months straight filming, and he was having a mental breakdown. Basically, we had a mental breakdown. We only watched this film for two hours. <laughs> Well, here's a question. Do we need to go into the spoiler zone before and before we are do we need to go and go into the spoiler zone with this uh, podcast? I, yeah, yeah, there's no there's no way we can really go forward without talking about the movie specifically. So, all right. Well, we're about to go into the spoiler zone, ladies and gentlemen. So if you want to watch this film and find out why why Kevin is is breathing into a paper bag, hyperventilating with, with fear and anger over this movie. Um, and you don't want our spoiler our spoilers for it, then you need to get off the podcast now, um, or hang out, find out what's going on. Ladies and gentlemen, the spoiler section. All right, and we are in the spoiler section of the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. No holds bar. We're walking through this uh, movie together. All right, Kevin. You want to kick this puppy off? When we opened to this film, 
we see this floating mountain, okay? And it goes land somewhere. And I'm going to say Russia. It looks like a good place. <laughs> now, I will say this. That opening scene wasn't terrible. I no. got some, like, like the, the credits come back and forth. I got some, like... Like some uh, Masters of the Universe and some 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 Superman vibes from that from that intro. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty cool intro. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked it. I enjoyed it. And seeing them the mountain landing, I was like, okay, this could be going somewhere. Let's see where it goes. Oh, uh, we follow towards these what two kings and these two people. They're talking about they gotta be loved. They gotta have love. They have to marry each other for the kingdom to be better. I don't understand why. Two people's got to get married for a kingdom to get better, but that's a thing, you know. Well, that that's a that's a common thing, though. I mean, that's that's going off of old old European stuff, man. I know, but good lord, I that, mean, that gets old fast, even for that time. Yeah. <laughs> even for that time, even for the eighties. I mean, I, I know you know <laughs> we're we're talking about the old times and everything else of old England and everything. But just can, can you be more original than that? So what they see each other for. Let's say five minutes. Oh my God, they are so much in love. They can't separate. Like, you don't even know this person. How do well, you no, know? No. The 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 if you the the context is that they just met. They've known each other for a while. They actually chose to marry each other beforehand. They don't make the it father sound w- like that. They the just father say- was like, the father was like, I don't want you to do this. And the woman's like, I'm in love with him, Dad. We're doing this before he even shows up. So there's there's perceived history there. Well, how do they look like they act like they just met each other for the very first time with their dub voice? Okay. And what they have this um that what's that supposed to be a wedding ceremony, wedding were they actually getting married right then there or not? Yes. I think they were getting married. When she had the fire in her hand and that melt her skin. Yes, because she's magic. And it's they're alien technically these are all aliens. Let's remember that. Okay, so are they really supposed to be aliens? I can't. I, I don't know. Yes, this is the planet Kroll. It's a planet and and another. It's another planet far, far away, uh, a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. Only not with space wizards, but with space wizards. Okay, because I, they're wizards. I think that the uh, take the fire from the hand part of the ceremony is the you may kiss the bride sort of thing. Hmm. Yeah, that was like the ending of the ceremony. So instead of exchanging like a ring of fire, they exchanged like a flame of fire in their hands. They expect they they exchange superpowers, I guess. Now, I will say this: they're, they're, huh? Well, he sh- maybe he should have acquired some superpower or something. Wedding ceremonies are different across different things. There is a tradition in Mexican weddings where you pass change from uh, the the priest will drop change into the the husband's hands and it'll go down to the wife's hands below, signifying that what he has goes to her. So, I mean, I, I've seen stuff similar to that, just not with fire. I've never seen a priest pass out any money. <laughs> well, it's because you don't <laughs> hang out with Mexicans. <laughs> Come on over, man. I'll ha- let's, we'll hang out and have some tacos. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that sounds That's like a fun w- wedding. Um, I, was about to, I was about to say that's incorrect, but then I remembered, yeah, you did make, you did make tacos when I was there. <laughs> yeah. So I tell you what, man, Mexican weddings, they're they're lit, bro. And then afterwards you have a big old brisket and fajitas everywhere. It's it's a party. That, that part I remember. I think I, I went to a Mexican wedding here in Florida after they got married because I said, Hey, come after they get married because it's like two hours long. You sure it's, you sure it wasn't Cuban? No, I'm very sure it was Mexican. 
I know Cuban would be more. There are south. differences. Yeah, there are differences. Yep. Um. So we right. get this Let's... evil army that overcomes the kingdom with stormtroopers and swords with flash lasers and guns that shoots lasers and all kinds of lasers <laughs> and bright lights. Can we talk? Ab- can we talk about these these slayers? We got into called? a conversation. I, I forgot what they were called. Yeah, they're called slayers, and I don't know. All right. To me, the Slayers—they look like the uh, their their costumes were used later for Never Ending Story Two, for the uh, the the little armies, the the army of the of the of the nothingness. I don't know. If, who do either of you remember Never Ending Story Part Two? Yes. Yes, it sucked. Okay. Had the cat had that cat from uh from uh Sequest. Yeah. That uh, ended up killing himself. Yeah. So, but so you know what I'm talking about the the little army the, the army that the nothingness had vaguely yeah that's what those things reminded me of I, like I really feel like their suits were taken for that they were so rigid and so like stiff like they were they were more rigid than Batman's neck and Batman uh, hmm. begins and like the whole body just went like how could you not fight these things and then why is it every time you stabbed them like like you hit their weapons or you stabbed them. Red lightning just went everywhere. Like, what was happening in that? Sometimes you didn't have to stab them. All you had to throw is like a curtain over your face, and they all already died. <laughs> or throw a chair at them. Here you go, and take they, this chair! And throws and them every, over. And every time they died, they sounded like R2-D2 getting an electric blast. <laughs> <laughs> what making was this movie that better? noise? That, you know what? That makes sense. <laughs> I was like... I really wish we were making riff tracks sometimes. All right. So, but like those those machines were the costumes were ridiculous for the for the arm for the slayers. Like yeah. I did not. It was like to me, it looked like Myster, Myster, Mysterio. Was that was that the guy's name? I said yes. Uh, looked like Mysterio with three eyes on his helmet. I can see that. I can see that. I'm sorry, I don't know who Mysterio is. He's a uh, he's a Spider Man villain. Oh wait, he has a. Where's the fishbowl? Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I forgot. He had like, <laughs> yeah. I forgot he had multiple eyes. Um, yeah. Uh, did Lady Gaga bought all these costumes out? I think she did. Uh, discount. You're bad. <laughs> You're bad. We're going to get so much hate mail from that one comment. Good. Um, yeah. Stuff happens. That's why I say a lot of this movie. A lot of this movie is stuff happens. The queen, yeah, the queen gets stolen. The father king dies, and the my, the the man gets like shot with one laser, which you don't see any like marks on him. I guess until so the old man comes to heal him. The discount Obi Wan, and he comes to heal him. And the boy, I mean, he, he whines like a boy. He cries and whines. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you just turned from a man to a boy in the split second. And yeah. Just whines and cries, and his eyes. I, I mean, I'm sorry. That scene made me bust out laughing. The way he just looked, his eyes were like so stuck up red. He was looking all around. <laughs> you didn't think that scene made you laugh, John? You didn't like look at this guy's overreacting. Uh, you know, no. I mean, I don't know. I I didn't focus so much on that aspect of it. I guess I was more trying to get a like i had to flush my brain out a little bit from the last time i watched watched it with uh ben's review so i wasn't 
I was trying to I was trying to watch it with the same open mindedness that I watched uh, Battlefield Earth with. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's probably still empty from that time period. Um, haters gonna hate Kevin. You know, what? you know, you better come up with some more better uh, comebacks than that. It's not a comeback. It's just a statement of fact, bro. Haters <laughs> are gonna hate, and I'm gonna continue to lo- enjoy my life. So you can enjoy your life. You can enjoy your life all the way there in Washington, Spokane or Spookane or Spoken something. <laughs> With Battlefield Earth and John Travolta. How's that Blu-ray, by the way? Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't actually sat down to watch it yet. Yeah, because he hates it that much. He's just trying to convince himself otherwise. No, For okay. those of you who are who don't know, about three episodes back, uh, we have... Mm-hmm. Uh, we reviewed Battlefield Earth, and John dropped a bombshell revelation on us that he... I gave it a middle shelf. He gave it a middle shelf. I gave he it a middle it. finger. <laughs> that you did, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, said get rid of it. <laughs> um, but uh, when, when, Kevin, when Kevin described the plot as stuff happens, I will agree with that. Um, it, you know, but it was, it was, it was the standard... It was the standard for the 1980s sword and sorcery movies of the time uh, where the script is written by basically you can tell that how the script was written was by the pitch that they gave the studio heads when they were pitching the movie, when they just had an idea Mm -hmm. and they'd be like, so they'd be like, okay, so what's the movie about? It's about a guy who's going to marry a girl and there, and there's these aliens and they abduct the girl. They're like, oh yeah, and he's like, yeah, and there's a uh, a magical weapon that he has to go on a on a journey to get to defeat the evil alien leader, and then what happens? And they have to go to a mystical seer that nobody has ever <laughs> been able to find, but he's going to be helped out by this guy that is a stranger. Oh wow, that sounds interesting. Then what happens? Um, then the seer dies, and you so know what they. Did? they Someone who wrote this had a magic eight ball and they ask a question. They shook it. Like, yes or no. Should I go with this? No. Okay. Shake it again. There you go. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the quest in and of itself was completely like off the cup, like fly by the seat of your pants. It's just like, we'll go to this guy. And then there's a spider web for some reason. And it just so happens that this one guy that's in the group used to uh, do the nasty with the chick in the middle of the spider web. And she hmm? killed their what? baby, but he still loves her. And oh, okay, I was trying to understand. Like, what are you talking? About? Oh, okay, okay. Now I put the words together. You described the movie pretty good, actually. <laughs> yeah, like that. That really is the quickest description <laughs> of the movie. Yeah, exactly. And you, you get you get a picture of everything that took place. Yeah, and and and, the, and then <laughs> and then the uh, guy has to make it back to the has to hold all the sand before he makes it makes it back to the people and. Uh, and then he dies after he tells them where the castle's going to end up. So they have to go find horses that run so fast they set the ground on fire. And then they're in their castle. They kill the bad guy in the end. See? You did it faster than two hours. And you was able to explain it and sound <laughs> much more entertaining than that. It sounds well, that's a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. No, Our final rating the, is... The whole point of what I'm saying is that the plot line, you know, from somebody who has to manage plot lines the plot line in this movie was a jumbled mess. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there was no direct course that they took. They, the, the characters had no idea what they were doing until they were doing it. And I get the feeling that the writers were in the same boat. Yeah. 
Now, for context for those listening, John is a um, seasoned um, um, DM, Dungeon Master for Dungeons and Dragons. And um, so he does this. You do this a lot. You create storylines. You manage storylines mm-hmm. all the way through. At what point in the film did you really feel like it was like, okay, yeah, they have no idea what they're doing. Like th- This feels like they're making it up as they go. The spider web. And, and the spider web? The spider web and the deus ex machina that they used that, oh, it just so happens that this one guy is the guy who knows the lady in the center of the web. It's just like, okay happenstance is the is the tool of a uh, lazy writer that spider web scene was completely unnecessary it was that spider web scene gave me arachnophobia as a child i will say though i will say the scene where the uh where the changeling comes and kills the actual seer that scene creeps me the uh, the heck out every single time I see that. Yes. What what's a uh, seer? I'm sorry. The, he, that was the old dude who never opened his eyes, except for when he when. Oh, there okay. Was... I see. I didn't even know what the name was. I just like old man that's blind. <laughs> he said, "I see." <laughs> and then when the and then when the uh, changeling comes and he opens his eyes and his eyes are all black, it's just like okay. That was cool. I like that. Yeah, cool, but creepy. Yeah. I think that we're we're all in agreement though. Like graphically, this was a really good movie for the eighties. I mean, which it should have been for the amount of money went into it. It was a good looking movie, mm-hmm. but I mean there there were some problems with the writing and yeah. some of the acting. Well, I still say Princess Buttercup couldn't act her way out of a paper bag in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, uh, you so what, what? I mean I think the biggest part that was supposed to like show for everything because it's on the poster, it's in the trailer, it's everything. It's that starfish knife that he gets in the lava. Yeah, the grave. It was like he just went there, looked down. Oh, there it is. Reaches into the lava. Oh, grabs it out. Oh, let's let me talk about the glaive for a second. Please talk about the glaive. Please, please, please do. Okay, so they make a big deal about this glaive and how it's a mighty weapon. And then the and you know that that's the thing that everybody remembers about this movie, and yeah. you know you know he doesn't use it, he doesn't use it. He, he all he all he uses it for is to cut a hole in a wall. And and do the original cut, the original blow to the beast. Yeah, and even then, it didn't do anything special to the beast. It was still alive. It wasn't until his girlfriend turned him into a flamethrower that. He could actually do any damage. Mm-hmm. The power of a wedding night can overcome anything. Um. <laughs> hey, that's what the they were, that's the whole concept of this thing is like. He won't do anything until he's like, "Oh man, I can't wait for this." And he's like, I'm, "Now I'm going to start doing something." It's like, dude, you have people who are just risking their lives for you. You don't use the weapon. For not one single freaking moment. And that one old man who was kind of pretty useless because he was trying to train. He's like, no, you use it when you're ready, when the magic comes or when the time is comes. Like, train him now. <laughs> well, and, and, and you think about that that scene where they get ambushed when the Cyclops finally joins up with them. You know, that big old right. fight. How awesome. How much. Like. How much easier would it have been for them to fight off that giant troop of slayers 
using that remote control Chinese throwing star. Yes. <laughs> like he, it was like a, it was one hit kill, right across the board. Yeah, he could have just pinball weapon. Use it. It, it. You could basically see the the writer through that first bit of dialogue after he finds it. It's just basically saying. Now, don't use this because it will basically make you pass by most of the movie and we need to fill two hours. Yeah. It's like they forgot about it and they were filming almost towards the end. It's like, hey, what's this thing on my side? Oh, yeah, we forgot you had that. Listen, you start using it again. <laughs> <sighs> no, that, that frustrated me. It's like you make a big deal out of this weapon and then you don't use it for most of the movie. Can you imagine if Star Wars was like that? It's just like, hey, here's a lightsaber. You can't use it till the end scene. Now I'm trying to figure yeah. out how often it was using the first movie. Because, because then it will become like another Star Trek movie, which everyone hates. A Star Trek movie? Star Trek? <laughs> yeah, I got your attention now. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, officially. First time we see lightsaber in the seventh minutes of the film, Obi-Wan jumps out of a ship, destroys some androids, Anakin, oh, that's the first Star Wars movie. I'm trying to find out how often that had more lightsaber, like more, more better than what this thing had with a stupid starfish thing, right? Anyways, my issue with the, the 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 glaive was like he acts like like you know this is a dangerous feat to go get this glaive. He walks up there and he's like, "Oh, there it is!" and he puts his hand in the multi lava, which was really nothing more than maybe maybe Jello. I don't know. <laughs> and he pulls it out. He's like, "Hey, look at this!" It was like it was no big ordeal it whatsoever. Was, it was vegetable glycerin with a light source <laughs> underneath. Is basically what it was. Man, but like they made a big ordeal about him just even getting it out of this lava, and there was nothing to it. Like there was no like you know like I was thinking like you know maybe there's gonna be some like some trial, some mental strain, or you know something was gonna speak to him. Nothing. An, an old goat man named Tim at the top asking him three questions. Something. Yeah. What is your name? Something. I'm glad you understood what I was saying there, Dallas. I thought that joke <laughs> fell on deaf ears for a moment. Why would it fall on deaf ears? What is your favorite color? What is the <laughs> average airspeed of an unladen swallow? What? I don't know that. <laughs> Francisco will love that, this podcast. We should join him on this. this. Is, that is not a bottom shelf film. <laughs> you, know, you know, if you talk to Francisco... Francisco will agree it's not a bottom shelf film because it's not a film. That's what he says. <laughs> yeah, and and he's not a reviewer because I don't see him on any of the Rotten Tomatoes or anything else. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, and we, you know, after that whole thing, uh, what was it? He talked to the old man. They said something. They did Dude, stuff. I, I already did this job up for you already. Yeah, I know. I, I'm just trying to think of like everything that happened. The comic I feel like relief you're, guy was not funny. I feel like you're trying to fill out the two hours for this movie, bro. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, our last podcast was longer than the movie we reviewed. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Or just as long? Huh? I'm just so, trying to, you know, be entertaining and talk about every little idle, stupid thing we hate or I hate. Unlike this movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I think we've I think we've sucked the marrow from these the bones of this movie. It it wasn't a deep movie. There wasn't a whole lot of a whole lot that you can trench out of it. I mean, it it, it basically was a popcorn cruncher, and that was about the extent of it. 
did any of the group of men um stuck out to you like anything like or they're just like all throwaway characters to you even liam neeson's character was a throwaway character yeah, he yep. was. which is weird because we all like when you talk about this movie people go oh liam neeson but he's in it for like he has like six words he says well this movie? is before he was anybody yeah that is true <laughs> but but why does he stick out in our minds that's my problem because he's somebody now yeah Somebody that speaks with a monotone voice and could do anything. <laughs> He's got a certain set of skills. Yeah, exactly. What was <laughs> like, with the guy with the shackles? He they were he was the he leader did, of the. Yeah, I mean, I I, I I liked him, but he was the leader of the pack. And what he, the, he, they were all escaped uh, escape prisoners. Okay, I'm just trying to remember, like, what was the escape prisoners from? Because they never I'm said. Prison. They never said, which is fine, you know, I'm okay with that. But he really had a fetish with those shackles. Like, no, no one's going to remove my shackles. I'm like, he oh, no, the no. Key at the end, he's like, no, I still want these shackles. Like, okay, man. No, that's not how that went. He he, 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 he basically said, you can remove these shackles if we succeed at this quest. And they yeah. succeed. Like, it was and, an otter thing. Yeah. They succeed, and he still didn't want the shackles removed. I feel like you slept through more of this movie than you than like to admit. Did he remove the shackles at the end? Yes. No. He did. He handed him the key. He gave yeah, him the he, key, but he still didn't remove. He's like, I'm just going to keep this as a as a moment as a um, what call it, something to ha- to hold on to. He did not remove it. He didn't. But he didn't. No. He did. But uh, King uh, King Wesley decided <laughs> decided the that he was going to make uh, the prisoner guy the head whatever Lord Marshall the Lord Marshall. Sure. Did you have a favorite scene in this film? Just the one that sticks in my memory, which is him throwing the dagger and him going finally at the end when he the, finally throws like waving it. his hand. He's using the force. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> using force. <laughs> using the force to cut it. Like yeah. that's that was the best part for me. By the way, I timed it when he used it one hour and forty minutes into the film. Wow. Dude, okay. So my favorite I feel like scene. Godzilla showed it faster than that. Yes, I, I have. I have two. I have two. Fa- I have two scenes in this movie that stick out for me, uh, for different reasons. Uh, one was the creepy uh, replicant seer scene that we just talked about. Yes, with those things bust up. Oh no! Okay, the seer. Sorry, seer. I can't remember these stupid things names. And the second one was when they were right, like when I was a kid. For whatever reason, the scene stuck with me for my whole life. It was when they were writing the fire mares. And there, and I was just the fire going behind them and they were moving fast so much. So for the, our listeners who listen to our other podcasts, I actually lifted this idea for something that happens in playing games of strangers. There is a gnome taxi driver who drives a horse drawn carriage with a fire mare. Nice. Nicely done. Interesting fact about the, the fire mares, those were Clydesdales. And yeah. they had to really work to train the Clydesdales to be able to be okay with people being on top of them. Because they don't use Clydesdales to carry people. Nope. Clydesdales are great dangerous forces. Usually having to have people they're pulling behind. Mm-hmm. I, I had issues with that whole scene though. Like if these things could run so fast, why were they so easily caught? Because the script said to. Like and they can fly. Like, like, what is happening here? Oh my gosh! Are the cli- are the fire mares, the ponytails? 
Dallas, the have, you ever seen a, have you ever seen the an guy elephant fly? Pokemon? I mean, with a feather from a crow, but <laughs> but for real, like, did the guy who created Pokemon lift the idea of the cl- of Ponytail from these things? I don't know anything about Pokemon. I by I don't watch that by principle. Pokemon is just fantasy dog fighting. That's okay. I was thinking of rooster I'm, fighting, but yeah, we can go dog fighting. <laughs> Look, I like Pokemon. All right, get off me. Okay, Michael Vick. <laughs> so anyway, for life. <laughs> Pokemon, Digimon, something mom, they're all something like. All right, so let's let's go ahead and uh, let's 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 get down to these ratings. Well, here. don't ask me about my favorite scene. No one cares about What's your, your favorite, favorite scene. scene. Exactly. No one cares. <laughs> I I care, Kevin. What's your favorite scene? <laughs> Because you're good enough, you're smart enough, and doggone it, people like you. They do. Yeah. That's that's why I have a couple mirrors around my house. I just look at it like, yes, one good-looking fella. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Someone knew the Stuart Smalley reference. I do that all the time, and people just look at me like, what? <laughs> um, my, one of my favorite scenes was, uh, you know, there were unnecessary scenes, but there were, I liked them because they had great visual. That swamp scene that was happening. With the mirror, I liked that scene. Unnecessary, but it was still nice to look at and the things that happened around it. Mm-hmm. Um, the spider scene, I, I I think it was a it had a, no reason to have in it, but I liked it because it was just a cool looking scene. Things that happened. Did that them. remind you of a Ray Harryhausen movie when the spider yes. came out? There's two things it reminded me of. It reminded me of the Ewok film that happened with the spider. The first one. And the um, Ray Harryhausen film, which because they were looking at doing stop motion and they were looking mm-hmm. at Ray Harryhausen, but you know, he already, I think, retired from Clash of the Titans when he did that one. A so. lot of this film felt like Clash of the Titans, though. Like, there's a lot a of the special effects. Too, yeah. yeah. There, are, there were a lot of moments, like when they were doing the, uh, they were with the seer and he was bringing up the visions of the castle. Mm-hmm. Like, that was like, man, this is like Clash of the Titans level Th- stuff. This film is a whole lot of films just bashed together. Which, yeah. you know, a lot of films are. And it's not bad, but when you make it so freaking apparent, you're kind of like, okay, this is a little way too close right. for it. Any more, any more cinematic homages in it, it would have had to have been directed by Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. But yeah. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Uh, so let's go ahead and hit those ratings. Dallas, why don't you go ahead and recap what the ratings are, and then we'll dive right in. Yeah, so the ratings for the show are really pretty simple. You have Top Shelf, which is, hey, well, this is actually a really good film. Everyone needs to see it. You got Middle Shelf, where it's like, mm, that's not right. Bottom Shelf, which we were aptly named after, where we're like, it's one of those ones, it's in your collection because you have it. Put it on the bottom shelf. You're not really going to pull out and watch it ever, if, if ever, ever. And then we have Jetson out the airlock and light it on fire uh, level. Which is nobody which, should watch it ever. Which to date, the only film to make that rating is what? Well, we I think we've had a couple. The Last oh, Airbender. Was one. Last Airbender, Airbender was a unanimous one. Yep. Uh, Battlefield Earth was contested. We launched that out. That's right. We need a list on the website of what these ratings are. <laughs> All if right. you're a listener and you're a graphic designer, we need we need a, we need a graphic that tells people what things are. If you want to help us out, reach out, reach out to us. All right. 
where can they reach out to us at? You can reach us on uh, the Bottom Shelf Facebook page. Just look for the Bottom Shelf Podcast or on Instagram, the Bottom Shelf Podcast, where Kevin, the master of memes, is putting out memes all the freaking time. He does, too. All right. Dallas, being as you are our fearless leader and Kevin hates being called first, uh, what is your rating? I'm not sure you're ready for this. I'm going to put it on the middle shelf. Oh, really? Yes. I have, as there are some terrible things in this film, I readily admit it. But there is something charming about this film, even though it's slow and boring at times. Um, and we can cut back probably maybe even 45 minutes out of the film. I, I smiled throughout most of the film and I enjoyed it. And it has a great nostalgia place. It's not a good film. I'll readily admit that, but I'll pull it out every so often. And it, if, especially if I have friends, I have, I have some family friends who um, I like to introduce the, um, their daughter to terrible movies. Uh, Cause she kind of has the same sense of attitude that I do about things. And we make fun of them and we laugh about it. And uh, so I think it's a good get family together and just be stupid together film. So I'll put it on the middle shelf. All right. Kevin. Um, Top shelf. All right, cool. How about you? <laughs> this film was about as entertaining as listening to Al Gore talk about how he created the internet. <laughs> and, you know, those things that are bad in life, I understand. There's some things that are bad. Like me finding blood in my urine. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is not that bad. It's not I'm like on third on the fire. And I'm not proud of showing it to people in the middle <laughs> shelf. So it's not it can't be that. So I'm just gonna go ahead and just toss it on the bottom shelf right over there. Oh yeah, reach the bottom shelf. Okay. Fair. Fair. Okay. So Don't I you was freaking tell me something else that I'm about to hear. <laughs> Swear to... So I walked into this with low expectations. Yes, we all walked into this. Because of Ben's review. And because of my watching it after Ben's review. I'm sorry. Did you review this with someone else before us? Uh, no, no. no. Ben, the the... <laughs> The stranger cheating on our podcast. <laughs> yes. The stranger. Are, are you divorcing us? You cheater! I knew it. <laughs> the stranger podcasting without us. The strangers and aliens podcast, which is a podcast that I listen to religiously, uh, did a review on this movie, and they gave it a low, a low score. If you if if you were to say that they scored it, they gave it a they gave it a poor review. And I got upset about it because I had a lot of nostalgic memories about this movie. And I went back and watched it immediately after that episode had come out. And I had realized at that time I had thought I had realized, yes, they are correct. It's better in nostalgia than it is in real life. So I walked into it this time with the expect with low expectations for it. However, because I walked into it with low expectations, it, 
actually went over what my expectations were and I enjoyed it more than I was expecting to. But I needed to take into account that I've owned this movie for probably about three years. And this is probably about the second time that I've pulled it out. The first time being after Ben did his review of it. Um, am I entertained by this movie? Yes. But the absolute facts, if you just look at it from the perspective of I own it and I don't pull it out unless I have to, I want, I wanted to give this a middle shelf when we started this episode. But the more I thought about these, the simple facts, and if I just, if I take a step back from the emo, the emotional and nostalgic ties I have to this movie. And I look at the fact that I only pull this movie out when I need to, not because I specifically would want to watch it. I got to put it on the bottom shelf. That's fair. That's fair. So I'm not going to contest that. Wait, wait, is John agreeing with me on something? (laughs) Are you actually agreeing with me on something here? When do you ever agree with me on anything? (laughs) I agree with you on several things. No, you, yes, I know that. But John, no. (laughs) Did you hit your head on a rock or something? Are you guys having a moment? Is this a friendship moment? Do you guys need bracelets? What the flip? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm shocked. I'm I'm not angry. I'm just like, I don't know what to say about that. Because you don't ever agree with me on a single idle thing just about. Jesus, I don't know what to do with that. Are you going to cry? No, I'm not going to cry. Irish people don't cry. They just get mad and drink. Yes. <laughs> now I need to like have a rejoicement and just cheer with you with a Guinness or something. I do. I, I'm down for some Guinness right now. Yeah. A proper one though. All right. Yeah. Okay. I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I, 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 mean, yeah, well. I mean, I mean, this yeah. is the most excited <laughs> I've seen Kevin at the end of an episode. I know, right? <laughs> I've never seen him smile like this. Yeah. Because, like I said, it's not trap. It's not like throwing it a fire worthy. But no. it's not like I'm going to take this out. Like every time when someone comes over, it's like, "Hey, dude, you gotta watch this movie." Unless I'm going to be like, "Hey, I know you're tired. You need a good nap. Watch this movie." <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, like I only pull this movie out either if I gotta do it for something like this, or when I, I have specific people that I watch terrible movies with comes over. Mm-hmm. That's the only time I pull it out. So I totally. I am. This is an uncontested bottom shelf film for us here at, at the bottom shelf. All right. I well, just let's... really, really wish they just took off 30 bits. Like maybe if we buy the rights for this film and we do an edit for it, it may work. Yeah. We'll call I it mean... the bottom shelf um, cut. All right. Well, somebody call Columbia. <laughs> and uh, they Columbia don't exist anymore. The, Columbia already sold their rights. If you guys get us to the point where we can buy the rights, we will do that. <laughs> Send money. All right, let's head on over to the week connection section where Pastor Dallas can give us the word for the week. This is a week connection. All right, so this is the week connection um, segment. Uh, 
John, what is the weak connection segment? Well, the audience? well, Dallas, I, as this as the topic of this episode was inspired by the Strangers and Aliens podcast, this segment in particular was inspired by a practice that Ben Avery does, by which he finds weak spiritual connections within a movie to make a bigger deal than they actually are. <laughs> you keep mentioning Stranger yeah. and Aliens, like I'm supposed to know who they are. Uh, they are the reason why I'm a podcaster. They're a great podcast. Um, they've been around forever and 10 years uh, this year. Yeah. Which is, that's, that's huge in the podcast world, but, um, we'll have links in the description down below for you guys to check out strangers and aliens, Ben and and the gang over there. They do some fantastic stuff. Um, just kind of talk general geekery stuff all the time. So uh, this week's uh, my uh, week connection, which we obviously open the floor for us, the guys to make some if they have some. Mine is uh, dealing with the Cyclops. You don't mean Cyclones? (laughs) Not the Cyclones, (laughs) the Cyclops. In this movie, uh, the what do you call them? The the Dollar Tree Obi Wan discount. uh, Yeah, discount Obi Wan. Discount Obi Wan explains to us that the Cyclops were a race of people who used to have two eyes. And uh, when the beasts invaded their planet, they tried to make a deal with them. And, uh, but the deal was that they had to sacrifice one of their eyes to see the future. Uh, but it, it was a trick. And they only saw their deaths. And so towards the end of this film, the Cyclops is in a moment where uh, when they get all the, uh, the fire mares, and he's like, I have to stay here. I, I saw this. This is where I have to die. This is where this is my pessimistic end. I'm going to stay right here and die. But he decides to change that. He goes forward, even though it's, uh, it was supposed to be painful for him. He finds purpose in continuing on to help people, to help his comrades who are in danger, and to to go on and do something greater than what he thought he was going to do. And I found that encouraging and inspiring, actually, in the midst of the film, because there, I have been in places where I felt kind of fatalistic. I'm like, well, this is my lot in life. This is what I have. And I know that the, perhaps there are there are some of our listeners who you find yourself in that situation. You're like, well, this is just my lot. You know, I was just raised this way. I was just, you know, this is the way my family is. And this is who I will be. But you don't have to be. You don't have to live in a place of depression and fear and doubt. You can go on to do great things. It may be painful. And it may be, it may rock the boat of what you've been told you can and can't do. But you can move forward and do great things and help other people and become better yourself. And so my encouragement for you guys is, is, is be the Cyclops and don't just be fatalistic and die in a moment, but move forward and, and find new meaning. So that's my weak connection. Kevin, you got some, bro? I slept this movie as much as I slept through a mass, so I couldn't give you a weak connection there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> how about you john you know i'm tempted i am very tempted to put throw out some garbage about the glaive being representative of the fivefold ministry (laughs) and how the fivefold ministry when used correctly at in its appropriate time can overcome the beast but that's 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 a stretch so I'll just I'll just leave it as no, I don't have anything. <laughs> That's all right. I'm in the podcast. I'll put that in there. 
I'll put some sound effects in there, make it deep, sound more impactful. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have really thought about the fivefold ministry aspect of it if I hadn't listened to the midweek move yesterday. Oh, hey, cool. That's another podcast that I'm part of. I'm glad you enjoyed that. All right, guys. Well, that is the episode for you guys. Kroll. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Want to hear your thoughts? Let us know. Reach out to us on our social media, Facebook and Instagram. Just look for the Bottom Shelf Podcast. And don't forget, do us a, hey, do us a favor and share out the links to these episodes. I know that it's difficult. I know that Google doesn't like us here at the Bottom Shelf. And that's okay. Google, if you're listening, we love you anyways. And even though we are we are fated not to be on Google. We're going to charge forward like the Cyclops, and we won't stop podcasting and sharing our podcast out. But we need you, amazing listeners, to be like the Cyclops and help us to journey out and uh, share this podcast with other people. So, uh, but we want to hear from you guys. Uh, our next film coming up is uh, it's going to be an interesting one. What is our next film, guys? Venom. Venom. I'm excited. I think this is the newest movie we've we've ever done. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. I've I've been wanting to see it. I've been wanting to see it. And this actually gives me a reason to watch it. And it gives me a purpose for having HBO Max. So why do you need HBO Max? I told you you can watch from my movie library. And I'll share it with you. He needs a reason. <laughs> Kevin, I need a reason for why I spend the money per month that I do. On Save HBO your Max. money. I'm trying to help you. Go Dave Ramsey on this sucker. <laughs> <laughs> Go Dave Ramsey and steal my copy. <laughs> you can't go in the debt if you steal all your stuff. You're not, it's not stealing. It's sharing. I could share. The bottom shelf does not promote sharing and stealing and property. <laughs> all right. So we're doing the Vim next time, guys. Check that out. Again, do us a favor. Share out the podcast wherever uh, you find. If you have friends who are interested in this kind of stuff, share the podcast with them. Uh, but we want to hear about you from you guys about what are your thoughts are on the podcast. And do us a favor. Also, hit up uh, Apple Podcasts and uh, Podchaser and leave reviews. Again, these are things that help the podcast to grow and to get out, especially since we're being nerfed by Google. So, uh, anybody else have anything else to say? John loves Google. It's his favorite. What? <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see your reaction there, mate. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, why don't you land the ship, bro? But don't we? Don't you got something to share? Why would I have something to share? Don't you belong in like twelve other podcasts or something? Dude, find links below. Seriously, <laughs> having an ending where we all announce where we can be found just takes too long. Let's. I feel like I need a link tree just for John because you're on the on. This podcast, Dude, you're on. We, we, yeah, machine, we, you're we on. get it. We get it. I'm a, I'm a podcast whore. Let's move on with life. <laughs> Kevin, where can people find you? Well, unlike John, I'm not a podcast whore. I Jesus. am a meme whore. <laughs> <laughs> I am on Instagram. I am on Facebook. I'm on YouTube as the Zapper Man. And usually you see me dress very nicely. Usually. And sometimes I'm, yeah. on, I'm also on this podcast that you're listening to right now. And if I'm extra nice, I'll throw out some content on Geek Devotions. True story. 
So, which is where you can find me and, and all kinds of our content that uh, the bottom shelf is connected to, which is geekdevotions.com. Uh, our main ministry comes out of YouTube, where we put out devotion every Friday uh, based around geek culture, and we use it to let people know the love and they're cared for. So, like I said at the front of the, movie, of the podcast, hey, we love you. We care about you. There is a plan and a purpose for your life. Don't give up. And we have to like the Cyclops. And we have tacos. Not anymore, we don't. Ah, Well, that was my last taco, so thank you for that. All right, everybody. Peace and love. Yeah, that stuff.